Welcome to another episode of Talking Ball, y'all. We have three fantastic guests lined up for you tonight. So sit back, get you something cold to drink, and enjoy. We're excited to have Drake Nightingale joining the podcast tonight. Drake recently signed with the New York Mets after pitching at South Alabama. He's a former state champion at Summerall, a former state champion at PRCC. So, Drake, thanks for taking time for the podcast tonight, bud. Oh, yeah, no problems. Drake, if you would, um, I guess the obvious question first, man, how excited are you a chance to sign with the New York Mets as a, as a free agent? Uh, you know, I'm pumped up about it. You know, it's always been my dream to be able to, to go play professional baseball. And, uh, I mean, I really just wanted an opportunity, so I'm, I am pumped up about it. Drake, you mentioned the word opportunity as you, as I've read and studied, seen some of your other articles and press clippings. That that word opportunity and then underdog uh, kind of stands out in the four or five uh, things that I've read and seen. Kind of describe uh, your mentality when it comes to making the best of an opportunity and, and maybe how you take that out on the mound with you, that type of mentality as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, came, I went to a JUCO, you know, I only had that. I only had one offer coming out of high school. I was always that little scrawny, you know, little kid, you know, I was pretty small coming out of high school, and I've always had that mentality of, you know, there's there's people out there that are a lot better than me, talently, uh, physically, uh, you know, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always going to work hard and always going to take that JUCO mentality to, to the baseball field. And no matter what, I'm going to, you know, try to find a way to win, uh, you know, no matter no matter who it's against or what situation I'm in, I have that mentality. I'm I'm going to do whatever I can to win, and you know, I think that's what helped me be successful along the way. Can you say that JUCO mentality of uh, coming out of Pearl River Community College, um, but before that, coming out of Summerall, who has kind of a, a build of a dynasty, so to speak, in high school baseball. Um, what was it like to play for Coach Knight, and how did that high school success uh, lead to further success? Yeah, well, um, Coach Knight, you know, he's awesome. He's probably the best best high school coach in the in the if, if in the state, if not the country. You know, he's he's awesome. Uh, he really he 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 showed me what it's like to be able to win as a uh, you know a tradition. You know, be going to the field expecting to win instead of uh, you know going to the field uh, hoping to win. So, I mean, he kind of instilled that, you know, mentality of when I step on the mound or step in on the field, you know, you're, I'm going out there expecting to win and you're going to play like you're going to win instead of just playing like I uh, hope I win. Uh, every time, I mean, he really, he, he showed us, showed me how it, what it's like to have a winner's mentality all the time. Drake, just reading some uh, press clippings, some articles from your high school uh, days at I came across one there where you were relieving a Drake. That couldn't have been happening uh, too many spots all across the country, a Drake coming in to relieve a Drake. Any nicknames or stories uh, about that for your high school staff? Uh, you know, uh, Drake, Drake Pace, I mean, he was uh, – I mean, he's a sidearm guy. He could have easily been a – you know, he should have been a reliever, but he always started. You know. I was always a reliever coming out of high school, and I think um, – I played shortstop more in, in high school than than, uh, than pitching. I never really pitched uh, my senior year. I only had one start, you know. And uh, I kind of, I think that kind of helped me out a little bit more because I mean, I kind of saw both sides of the plate. I uh, saw, saw the offensive side of my set. Also got to see how, you know, what it was like pitching. Uh, and I, I think 
think being able to just be able to relieve a little bit more and that kind of set me up a little bit more to be successful in, in college because, you know, I I got to see how it, what, what it was like kind of being a hitter more, more if that makes sense. You know, I kind of I kind of tried to be a hitter. It wasn't wasn't a very good one, and uh, you know, and uh, but I also got to see what it was like. You know, try to try to pick apart, learn how learn how to pitch from other pitchers. You know, if that makes sense. That's how I kind of what I kind of took from it. Sure. And one of the articles I was reading, it was a Hattiesburg American article by Stan Caldwell, and it had. It has your name, so I'm, I'm reading in there, and it's got you bad, and I think in the two spot trying to advance runners, and you speak in the quote on uh, Coach Knight teaching fundamentals, how to kind of play uh, small ball. So it, you can. you It seems like kind of going to the mind of a, a batter maybe trying to do that against you, just trying to move a runner and what pitches you're going to make to to not allow him to do that. Yeah, for sure. Like I, I really, you know, I know as a hitter back in the day, you know, when I'm on the mound, I kind of know what the hitter is wanting to do. Uh, I know what he, he wants to do out there. And uh, I kind of try to pitch around that and try to, you know, if he's trying to give me an out on the bunt or, you know, sacrifice, you know, just let him, let him have it, you know. Uh, just just take that out and don't don't try to do too much out there. I think that's really, really helped me along the way. Drink your time at Pearl River Community College. Uh, you were quoted some of the best, uh, years of of your career so far there, Coach a- Avi and and that program. What what does that mean to you? Yeah, Coach Avi, he is he is hands down the best UCO coach out there in the country. You know, uh, I, I say it all the time and I preach it all the time. Uh, those those last two years there, those, those last two years of program were, were special. You know, um, uh, it. If honestly, if I could do do it all over again, I would. You know, that that was just it was it was pretty incredible to watch a, a program be able to you know take a complete 180 and change you know change who they were. You know, they got that kind of tradition back, and they really they really turned things around at Forever. And you know, Coach Avalon, all all the, he needs all the credit. You know, he's he's the guy who did it. You know, he he was awesome. And then you took that stuff where the Friday night guy, the one guy for South Alabama, and a good success, really, your junior year. Um, hate to ask it this way, but you've already said opportunity and underdog. Uh, expecting to get drafted after a good junior year, uh, does that kind of fuel fuel your fire a little bit too, Dre? Yeah, you know, getting overlooked, it, it always kind of it always kind of motivates me a little bit more. You know, kind of. I want to want to be able to prove to to those people that you know overlooked me. Uh, I kind of want to like want them to regret it almost. You know, almost as thing. I wish I I wish I you know taken that guy instead. Um, that it it motivates me and keeps that fire fire going. You know, I always I like I like being doubted. I like I like people to say you can't do something. Uh, you know, it, it really motivates me and gets me you know, every single day when I'm hitting the weight room or doing my throwing, I, I really I really enjoy, you know, thinking about that. It really keeps me motivated. Jake, the way the game is going, um, it seems like strikeouts and home runs, that's where we have kind of camped out for now. And and you're a high strikeout guy. Is that I mean, you're pitching away from contact. Somebody that hasn't seen you, your your K's and your numbers kind of speak for themselves. But what's your approach? What what who can you be compared to? What do you like out on the mound? Um, you know, 
I try to, you know, uh, Steven Strasburg is the type of guy that I've always tried to, you know, he, me, our mechanics kind of line up a little bit and our, we kind of have the same, uh, you know, repertoire when it comes to pitches. So I always try to look at Steven Strasburg and I like to watch his highlights here and there and to see how he gets guys out. So I kind of, uh, I kind of imitate him, you know, and a lot of other major league pitchers, you know, uh, Jacob DeGrom, uh, you know, I just, I'm a real big guy. I like to, I'm a real big guy. I like to go look at video and, you know, watch how they get guys out and study those types of guys, you know, and try to pick, pick their, uh, pick their brain by through, through film, if that makes sense. You know, I really like to just learn, learn from the, you know, the best of the best, you know, try to, try to watch how they get guys out. That's, um, I would say those, you know, Steven Strasberg and Jake DeGrom are the two guys that I really try to imitate when I'm out there on the mound. Drake, a guy from this area, and I'm a Braves fan, Drake, and so far you've mentioned the national staff and then DeGrom. I saw that in your bio over in South Alabama. I wasn't going to bring him up. You've hit the East pretty hard here and hadn't even mentioned my brother. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love the Braves. You know? uh, I always watched uh, – I love having – like, I mean, my, my my first dog ever's name is, is Chipper. You know, so, there you know, we go. Now we're uh, yeah. making some progress. Yeah, so I, I was—I mean, I was a Braves fan uh, growing up. You know, the hometown, you know, really close team. I, I really enjoyed watching uh, Chipper Jones and uh, you know the, the uh, you know the the Glavins and the Smolts. I love—I love watching those guys. You know, but uh, I'm you know with, with Strasburg and Degrom, I feel like those two types of pitchers and how they pitch—that's the—that's just the type of way I—I'm I, designed how my body works. So I kind of try to imitate them as much as possible. Drake, when you look at the news that's come out over the last day and a half, uh, some optimistic news for baseball potentially getting started back. Have you heard anything about uh, your situation and where you may be reporting to or what your next move is going to be? Uh, you know, the last time I heard anything, they said hopefully we can get ready by September and have a little instructs league in the fall, um, you know, September – you know, maybe through October. Um, it's it's not you know it's not a, a for sure thing yet. Um, but they basically just said you know stay ready um, and just hope hopefully shoot for September. If not, then hopefully next year we start off normal and uh, next year's you know normal year. And staying ready, Drake, with with an arm and a pitcher, you got to protect that asset. What does that look like when you don't know exactly what you're preparing for? Like, what's your day to day right now in in that and staying ready? You know, I'm trying to. I'm trying to. Like you said, it, I, I'm trying to do just enough to stay healthy. You know, throws. You know, three to four times a week. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely not trying to do too much. I don't want to do too much over a certain a long period of time and, you know, hurt myself, you know. So I'm trying to trying to do just enough to stay in game shape as I can, but, you know, not overdo it, you know. I try to enjoy my a little time off here and there. And then, but really just throw, you know, three, four times a week and, you know, get in the weight room, uh, you know, four to five times a week and just try to stay really strong and just, you know, Enjoy life, go out there and play, play a little golf here and there, and, but really just try to enjoy it, you know, just, just trying to enjoy it and, you know, stay in shape. Yeah, you play in a perfect position to enjoy a little golf, right, Drake? That's, oh, yeah. That's the ticket, huh? Oh, yeah. Golf is, uh, get your mind off of things, you know, it's something you can be competitive at when not, when not on the diamond, you know, so it's fun. 
There you go. Drake, man, we can't thank you enough for your time. We wish you continued success, and uh, we certainly appreciate you joining the podcast this evening. Oh, yes, sir. Thank you. Your family's health is our mission. At Highland Community Hospital and in partnership with Forest Health Systems, we offer a wide range of healthcare options. From our internal medicine clinic to advanced surgery and emergency services, from the Highland Center for Women's Health to our primary care and pediatric clinic, our goal is quality care for you and your family through the compassionate application of advanced medicine. Highland Community Hospital, the best choice for your family. We're excited to have Coach Avalon, Pearl River Community College Wildcats baseball coach, joining the podcast tonight. Coach Abby, thanks for taking time for the podcast, bud. Man, I appreciate y'all having me and looking forward to it. Coach, kind of, um, let's start here, man. Let's start with what's in front of you there. Um, due to COVID-19, of course, y'all season was shortened, and we'll get to that. But tell me about what y'all have been utilizing the dub for. Lately, a lot of uh, traffic, a lot going on there at the Dove. Yeah, we've been fortunate. Um, you know, it's been a busy couple of weeks for us. Um, you know, obviously, first and foremost, we're making sure that we follow all the safety guidelines that, you know, have been set for us as far as, uh, you know, our social distancing and, and um, you know, making sure these guys, uh, you know, keep their space. And But it's been a uh, it's been a good two weeks. Uh, you know, I've seen a lot of excited people to finally get to see some baseball. Um you know, we've, uh, you know, on weekends we're, we're hosting, uh, high school, uh, I guess, travel ball teams for like different types of tournaments and things. And then on Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday of each week, uh, we're, we're actually hosting, um, two collegiate leagues that have started up. Uh, I'm really excited about those, uh, just because these, these college players obviously lost their, lost their season. Um, but this is a great time for them to get a chance to, you know, catch up on some reps that they missed. Um, and it's been, it's been some really good baseball being played out. Uh, at our field, you know, a lot of our guys were playing in it, which also a lot of guys at Mississippi Junior College are playing in it. So it's been really good to see that. It's kept us busy. Uh, but that's also why we made the improvements that we made to the dub with the with the artificial turf and with the grandstands. Um, you know, we've got plenty of space to keep the social distancing um, guidelines uh, in place. So it's been it's been a really good couple of weeks for us uh, over the last two weeks. Coach, when uh, when you're the coach of a program. Um, like you have there at Pearl River Community College. How great is it to be able to always be selling, you know, your program? And baseball is a game, uh, maybe unlike, well, I guess you can see it in other sports too, but the little brother that may be hanging over the fence watching the big brother today, you may be recruiting in a year from now or something like that. How, how good is it selfishly from your standpoint to have everybody kind of gathered up at your place, man, it's been um, it's been real humbling uh, for it to take place. You know, we've gotten a lot of compliments on our complex um, over the last couple of weeks. You know, people coming for the first time, and uh, it's such a special place. I think it, uh, you know, I think people are going to remember it. Um, you know, and that was one thing, uh, Coach uh, Ryan Hughes and I, when he was with me, and um, you know, we went down to Mr. Doug uh, and and uh, picking you and. and uh, kind of told him our vision and, and uh, said, you know, there's, you, you know, we think after a, a few years, uh, you know, the name, the dub uh, will be recognized, uh, especially in Mississippi, but also across the Southeast, Louisiana, Alabama. Uh, and I, and, and I think that's starting to happen. When you hear the dub, you automatically think of Pearl River Community College, this, this beautiful ballpark that we have. 
Uh, and I think the thing that just separates this place, you know, from others, is just the atmosphere of it. It's just, and, and I know I'm biased. Like I, I'm fortunate to, you know, coach here, but, um, you know, when people walk up to this place, you got, you got Brad Ladner and his crew out on the decks in the outfield. You got, um, you know, every, every seat at the chair back, you got, you know, in these, in these hot summer days, you've got shade, uh, that, that, that covers every chair, you know, we're, uh, I've been a part of a rain delay there recently where everybody got to get out of the rain and, and stay dry. Um, and so when people get to come to this place, they get to see it, they get to play on the field. Um, you know, as you mentioned, you know, little brother, that's one thing, you know, we've been very fortunate to, you know, uh, you know, recruiting is done a lot by word of mouth and, and from experience of, of, uh, you know, past players. Um, and then when these, these young guys get to step on this field and play in front of, uh, you know, the stadium on this, you know, and it's just, it's just a special place. And so obviously it can only help our recruiting. Um, my goal is to have as many players come to this place as we can each summer, uh, and also in the fall, because I think it, uh, you know, I think that, 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 that helps recruiting in so many ways. Mike, I'll, I'll say this as a compliment, man. You're not from here, but it feels like you are. And what you said about Mr. Dove and, and you and Ryan, of course, the relationship, him and Ryan, Ryan being a picking guy and Mr. Dove, uh, having us business here for so many years. You'd have to know Mr. Dove through all the years to know a lot of people look at him, you know, as, as a salesman first, but I always think of him as a sports fan first, man. If there was a game he could get to, he was getting to it. So uh, that's, that's going to be a, a cool legacy as that ballpark legacy continues to grow because um, Mr. Dove not one to miss a good ball game if he could get to it. Right. Well, and I think one thing that's, that's pretty special um, – you know, about Mr. Dove and this place is, you know, obviously him and Mr. Barry Harper have helped so many people uh, around the community. And, and I don't know of many places that besides Paul Paul's Campers and Cars that has his name on it. Uh, but now I think, you know, we're just proud that, uh, you know, his name uh, is, is recognized. It's out there in the public to where uh, a guy that has helped so many people, um, that's why we approached him with this opportunity of, of uh, you know, naming the ballpark after him because he's just, you know, an unbelievable person that's helped so many people uh, over the years in the community. Cool stuff. And, Coach, we promised that we would get to it. Let's get right to it. Your season shortened by COVID-19. Kind of give Jeff and I the lay of the land on what that means coming back when we when we do get to come back. Uh, Scholarships-wise, like roster, like what does this look like for PRCC moving forward baseball-wise? Well, it's, you know, it's going to be uncharted territory, you know, to say the least. Um, it's, it's something that we're working through and it's, it's, uh, it's changing every day. Um, I don't think anybody really knows what the future holds with this thing. Obviously our prayer and hope is that, you know, we have a vaccine here shortly and, and, and we can beat this thing. And obviously we're going to beat it. And that's, that's, there's no doubt about that. Um, you know, I think it's, I think it's created a special time for our baseball players and, and people in general. Um, you know, I think it's allowed us to appreciate the game of baseball. It's allowed us to appreciate a lot of things in life that we take for granted. Um, you know, and so, uh, that's, that's, that's one of the silver linings I think that we'll get sure. from this, this time. Um, but as far as moving forward, um, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's also gonna, you know, create some different situations for players. You know, there's, there's, uh, you know, basically there's an extra group or extra two groups sometimes of, of players that have been given an extra year. So, you know, for instance, this year for us, uh, we're going to have on on scholarship. We only get 24 scholarships. We'll have 24 freshmen on scholarship. 
And so that's going to make some interesting, um, you know, situation moving forward for those players. Now, a lot of our guys will move on after their second year, and they'll they'll be awarded three years at a at a four year school, even though they played two two here. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but it's it's I think the talent uh, level at junior college is going to be uh, as good as it's ever been. Um, you know, we've we've seen that we've we signed I think three transfers from four years in the last uh, month. Uh, really good players uh, that we're excited to have, and and they've decided to come to junior college because there is a flooded market at the four year level. Um, so uh, it's just going to be an ever changing um, situation, um, you know. And I think you'll see the effects of it for the next two years at least, uh, if not two to four years. Coach, when you look at it, you said the market and the players. If I'm a if I'm a senior or senior this year, high school wise, and I was kind of a tweener kid, am I nervous? Not for your program, but just programs in general. Is it potentially going to cost me a chance to go somewhere and play? Um. No, I don't. I don't. I don't think so. Um, you know, I think what you know what what potentially may happen for some of these players is you know, I, I, and, and this is again, this is something I'm not sure of. This is just me kind of speculating. Um, I think you're going to see red shirts uh, being uh, used at a lot of places to where guys, um, you know, because there's basically an extra class there. You know, there's these seniors that have returned that were supposed to go on and play or graduate. They're back, and they're really good players. They're four years older yeah. older than, than than some of these freshmen. So. Uh, I think you're going to see uh, red shirts in a lot of situations. Um, uh, and I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Uh, that's one thing that, you know, we talk to some guys different times about red shirt. And one thing they have to remember and understand is um, it takes most athletes four and a half to five years to graduate college with a degree. Um, and so – um, I could beat it, that coach, and I didn't have practice to worry about. <laughs> yeah, no oh, doubt, man. no doubt. Oh, you know, and and that's something. And and then you know, so in, instead of being done in four years and and playing and then having to finish up, um, just with school, maybe that extra half a semester, you know, that extra semester or half a year or, or full year. Um, now you're going to be playing. You're going to be a part of a program for for five years potentially. Um, and if you and, and if say you say you finish your degree in four years, well, these guys they can go ahead and start their masters. So there's going to be it, it's all going to work out in the end. But I think just um, what we're going to remind these players, um, you know, the, and not just at our program, I would tell any college player um, is you just have to to understand these are these are different times and and change and it, it's out of our control. Um, but you just have to trust it and know that everything's going to work out. It's you know it's all. Uh, part of a plan, and, and sometimes we don't understand that, but um, it's all going to work out in the end. Once again, we're joined by head coach uh, of the baseball team at Pearl River Community College, Michael Avalon, uh, here on the Highland Community Hospital Hotline. And, Coach, talk about just what's going on at Pearl River Community College. I know they got the, the tournament, as Clay mentioned, and, and on campus, but dealing with everything that's been – you know the COVID nineteen, and now we have the uh, the the social aspect of everything going on in our country. How is Pearl River Community College handling? Uh, you know, trying to get things going back uh, to some sense of normal uh, normalcy as it, it gets closer to fall semester uh, up there in Popperville. Well, I think that you know, as I mentioned earlier, it's 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 changing every day, and um, uh, I know Doctor Brerwood and. and uh, <laughs> 
uh, I, I saw him the other day on campus, and I could just tell he's had some long meetings. I'm sure uh, there's so much uncertainty on this thing, and um, it's you know I'm sure it's you know I don't want to speak for them. I'm sure it's very um, you know just uh, taxing. It's just tough uh, because um, you know obviously we want we want people back on campus. We want our campus opened up. I'm sure um, you know that's that's the you know there's just something different about this campus and having it full, and uh, you know we haven't had that for a while and. Uh, and so we're shooting for for the fall, and and it's you know it's looking you know we're we're hopeful for that, but they've just got to make sure that they they have all the guidelines in place, and that uh, um, you know they're following you know they're getting they're they're getting information, uh, and I can just tell with uh, uh, Dr. Brewwood and Coach Long, I, I know they just had a lot of meetings, and, and they're reaching out and they're trying to make the best decisions that they can, because uh, obviously first and foremost they're always going to make the best decisions as far as keeping everybody safe and. Um, you know, doing, you know, cause it's, it's, you know, this will pass. We, we all know that it will pass. It's, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of not being a very patient person. Um, and, and so something like this, uh, it, I guess I'm kind of learning some patience, you know, some people would probably disagree. I'm still not, but, uh, I'm trying to, uh, but, uh, you know, it's just, you know, as I, as I mentioned, it just makes you appreciate so much and, and just to see our guys back in the dorm to have practice, um, you know, to, to, to teach class, all those things that we take for granted, um, you know, it, it, this has just really put that at the forefront. But, um, you know, I, it's it's going to happen. Uh, there's going to be guidelines. It's going to be a little different, I'm sure. Uh, but, you know, Pearl River was the fastest growing college in the in the state. Um, and, and so, um, you know, you I, I guess I just thought of this, and this has nothing to do with, with school. But, you know, we, we were doing so well, and our, our enrollment was up, and it was going good. And, and my dad told me a long time ago uh, when he was a basketball coach, he said, Andy, you know, it's, it's uh, – uh, you know, it's tough to get on top, but it's even tougher to stay there. And I think that's something that, you know, I, I trust our administration and I know uh, that they're going to keep us on top, um, you know, because they're working and they're doing what's best uh, for, for the faculty, for our students. Uh, it's not easy decisions they're making, but uh, you can bet they're going to they're going to make the best decisions that they can and in, 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 in what's best for everyone involved. Coach Avalon, we got some good news. Uh, I guess that was a week ago. Uh, the shortened draft opened up free agency earlier, just a five-round Major League Baseball draft. But Drake Nightingale, a guy that we had a chance to interview tonight, he'll be a part of this episode, uh, picked up by the Mets in free agency. Just talk about how exciting that is for you to see your guys. Uh, Mo went on, I guess that was last year or the year before. You've got a couple others uh, from the program as well. How exciting – is that for you as a head ball coach to see some of these dreams realize? Well, it's it's been uh, it's been awesome. It's it's been you know this is you know every you know as um, as I'm fortunate to sit down with a lot of recruits. One of the very first questions I ask them is, you know, what's your dream? You know, what's what's your goal in baseball? And um, if they don't tell me, you know, I guess I'm giving away one of my secrets. If they don't tell me that you know they want to play professional baseball and, and make it to the major leagues, that's not the kind of guys that we want to coach. You know, mm. uh, I had that dream as a player. Um, you know, as a, as, as a kid and, and, uh, obviously I wasn't good enough to do it and that's okay too. But, um, but, but I had that dream and I had that desire. And so that's what we want all our guys to have, but we also know how tough it is and how unbelievable, um, you know, special it is to be given that opportunity. Uh, fortunately in four years here, we've had four different guys sign, um, you know, with, um, uh, you know, Mo Landry, um, we had, uh, Colby White. Um, we also had Dexter Gordon last year, uh, and now Drake and, you know, obviously Kobe and, and Drake were at Mississippi State and South Alabama when it happened. But, 
I think both of those guys, if you talk to them and ask them about their time at Pearl River, they say how special it was for their development, how much they loved it, uh, how much they appreciate it. Those are uh, invaluable words to me. It means so much to me just uh, just to be a small part of that. But for Drake especially, um, you know, a young man that had um, the ups and downs of, of, of an elbow injury and, um, you know, and then the season getting cut off with, with COVID when he was doing so well and, you know, having a special year for South Alabama um, for it to – come to fruition now and him to sign i know he was like a kid in a candy store and was just excited uh and i'm excited to get a chance to watch him compete uh one of the best competitors i've ever coached in a game of baseball um mm-hmm. a tough hard-nosed son of a gun that's gonna get after you and, and compete uh and i think that's gonna vote well for him moving forward uh in professional baseball and, and would not surprise me uh, for him to do some special things there yeah and you'll hear it on the episode coach he was certainly complimentary of you and, and his years there, he's echoed uh, what you said there. I can't believe I forgot Dexter, man. He was uh, covered him in high school and in football and in baseball, and he would take the plate like he was still at – I believe he played linebacker for Hattiesburg, and he had that mentality. Uh, yeah. He was a fun one to cover, too. And, Coach, so that – when you say that, when you're able to rattle off four guys just real recently – when you're in somebody's living room or there at the dub trying to kind of make a decision between uh, the river and some other schools, that's got to help, huh? Oh, absolutely. You know, I, and, and, and that's something that I think, uh, you know, it's, it's not a whole lot to do with me by no means. It's a lot, you know, I tell people all the time, I'm just, I'm just a small part of what's going on here. And, I mean, you, you mentioned the dub, you mentioned our administration, you mentioned our fans, our support. Um, you know, I, I can remember the first the first week of taking this job, how many phone calls I got from scouts and from colleges uh, that just know the tradition of, of Pearl River baseball. And, and uh, you know, we're fortunate to help those guys. And they, the greatest compliment we get, and I, I told a recruit that today, um, but one of the greatest compliments we get uh, when a young man finishes here after two years and he looks back and the coach, the one thing I wish, I wish Pearl River was a four-year school. Um, and I, if I've heard that one time in four years here, I've heard um, countless times, and that's what makes this place, um, you know, so very special. And, and I tell all those, I, I had a lady stop me today at the, at the ball game and just talk about how much her son enjoyed Pearl River, the baseball program, the campus, all the things that it offers. And, um, you know, it's, it's real simple. It's just a special place. It really is. I will say that on myself and my time there. Coach Izio, you mentioned four years, and Coach Izio, one of your former assistants, going to get – his chance at a four-year uh, coaching position. How happy are you for him, Coach Abby, that you're going to see Coach Izzio uh, go to that level? Well, it's it's one of those things that you you know you hate losing assistant coaches, especially really good ones. And, and I've been fortunate the, the couple years that I've had that I've had to hire a lot of coaches. And I say, how somebody say, how do you say you're fortunate to have to hire coaches? Well, they're getting opportunities, and um, that speaks to our program and what we're able to do. And um, you know they're hard workers, and they and and uh, you know Coach Izzio. Uh, was instrumental in, in landing, you know, the uh, recruiting classes that we had during his time that, that have helped our success, helped us get to the World Series. And, um, you know, it, we, we talk about a young man's dreams, you know, a recruit. Well, also, you know, Coach Izzio had the dream of being a Division One uh, baseball coach. And, and uh, he told me that, and he made that, and I understood that. And um, so when he finally got that opportunity to do that after he's worked so hard, and, you know, as I mentioned, Drake has much now, so did, you know, so does the coach, you know, where he's, uh, you know, had some tough times and, you know, um, you know, he took a job as a volunteer assistant at Tulane last year and had to trust the process and trust the plan. Uh, and for him to be rewarded, 
um, with the, you know, with Coach McMillan, um, you know, he's, he's in a really good position. I, I've, you know, got to spend a little time. He's come over and lifted weights with us some, uh, during the, during the, uh, the break here. And so we've had still some time to, to talk and, and, uh, he's excited. He's already doing a really good job. Um, and you'll see that, that, that program change here shortly too. Yeah, going to a beautiful place in this world, too, Charleston. Keep you know, coaching baseball out there. That's got to be a tough, tough gig. But <laughs> well, I know him and Eric and Ace. They're they're excited about the uh, uh, the, the move. Um, you know, he's uh, he's already hit the ground running. I know they head out, uh, um, you know, early July and, and, and move up. And he's uh, uh, you know he's going to do wonders for for them. And you know he'll he'll be missed in this area. He was he was well known and. Uh, but I'm sure he'll do good things up there as well. Coach, this may be a, a tough question. We don't know the future, but getting a, a, a glimpse or a little taste of what your team was going to be, um, how how can you use that, the way that y'all kind of got started there? And, and when you're able to come back, you've already mentioned it's probably going to be a lot of the same guys, maybe some new pieces added here or there, but how will that help you coaching moving forward with this group? Well, you know, I've had a lot of people ask me, you know, well, how was your season going? What, what kind of year were you having? And, um, <laughs> you know, you know, baseball, the, you know, statistics are pretty important. And I've told people, I said, I didn't realize it at the time, but I, you know, we checked statistics. There's more game by game stuff and, you know, adjustments we need to make. But when I sat back and looked at the year, we were, I think we were 12 and four. We were ranked in the top five the whole, the whole year. We were highest batting average we had had, uh, most home runs. We actually hit more home runs, uh, for the first 16 games than we did the year before when we finished second in the country. Um, so we're actually leading the country, I think, in at bats this year. Um, and then we had the lowest DRA on top of that. So I'm going, well, heck, we had we had a pretty good special year going and, uh, you know, had a special group. And that's what you hate most for those guys is um, the fact that they, they didn't get to finish it. They didn't get a chance to, uh, you know, defend uh, as region 23 champions. But, again, as I reminded them and told them, this. This is uh, it's all part of a plan. We don't understand it sometimes, and um, you know we'll we'll have a couple of those guys, Casey Donaldson and Trace McNabb, uh, will return uh, as sophomores. You know, three years, you know, third year sophomores, um, and we'll look to them to help lead us. Um, but we've got a special group. We feel like this year, I'm excited about the talent that we'll have. Um, but more importantly, I'm I'm excited about the young men that we're bringing in. Um, they're going to work hard. They're going to get after it. Um, you know they. They understand uh, the, the expectation here, and I mentioned that you know the expectation is to win, and that's that's what we're expected to do, and and that's what you know we said. That's what they that's what we talk about in the recruiting visit is you know I want guys that winning is important to because it's important to me. It's not the end all um, by no means, but uh, um, you know that's something when we go out there and they say play ball, we're going to do our best to win. Coach, we certainly appreciate your time. You've always been great to the podcast, and that's not lost on us. Uh, continued success, man, and um, once again, we just thank you for joining us. You know, man, as I've always told y'all, y'all do a tremendous job with, with sports in our area. Uh, it means a lot to me that you guys care enough to reach out and, and talk, uh, especially now when there's not a whole lot going on for us, and y'all keep us in the forefront. Man, I can't I can't thank you enough. Y'all are first class. Y'all do a tremendous job. I appreciate you. Thank you, Coach Abby. Your family's health is our mission. At Highland Community Hospital and in partnership with Forest Health Systems, we are reshaping the mammography experience. We are the only facility in the region offering a 3D mammogram with the lowest patient dose of radiation, all with increased comfort and confidence. 
Our goal is quality care for you and your family through the compassionate application of advanced medicine. Highland Community Hospital, the best choice for your family. We're privileged tonight to have the Gov, Rick Cleveland, joining the podcast. I always appreciate your time, Rick. Thanks for joining the show tonight. Glad to be with y'all. Rick, I guess I was uh, looking, doing some notes, reading up on everything that uh, you have put out and all the different things on the flag issue, and then you snuck one in on me. I think you posted something about 45 minutes ago uh, with another article about the flag issue, and uh, I think you uh, stole a slogan from Nike there, just do it, and all the support that has been garnered over uh, the last few days, certainly, about um, changing this state flag for Mississippi. Well, I'm, I'm, I don't want to sound like a, you know, one-trick pony, but this is a pretty important subject right now, and uh, I'm proud of the way Mississippi Today has covered it and proud to be a part of it. Rick, and this isn't uh, certainly a new issue or something that uh, is new to you in, in the way that uh, you've presented information. This is a, a, a drum that you've been beating on for some time now. Is that correct? Well, I think the first time I wrote about it was 1983. Uh, but, you know, in 2001, prior to the referendum, uh, the flag referendum, I was uh, among many who were very outspoken about it. Uh, sure was a different climate then than, than there is now. I can tell you that much. The, uh, uh, you know, the feedback I got 19 years ago uh, for very similar columns to what I've been writing the last week was uh, probably... 60-40 negative to positive, and, and there were a couple death threats and, and uh, you know, some really, really, really nasty calls. Uh, and this time, I would say it's been 99% positive. I really think it might happen. I think we may get the change finally. Rick, it'd certainly uh, probably be a little out of line for three white guys on, the, on this call tonight to say, but... Um, progress and just what you've said there there has been some progress made in our state over that time wouldn't you agree oh absolutely i mean i, I don't i don't think there's any question about it and i you know i, I talk about it and, and from time to time write about it but you know i'm i'll be 68 in october i've i've lived a lot of this mississippi history and and uh I mean, there's been an awful lot of progress in my lifetime. I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying we're there yet, and, I'm, and obviously we're not. We still got a the Confederate battle emblem flying over our capital. Mm -hmm. uh, there's still a lot of strides that need to be made. Uh, but when you look at the way things were when I was uh, starting high school in 1967 and the way things are now, it's, it, it's, it's an incredible, just an incredible difference. I mean, you're looking, you know, when I started high school, my school was all, was totally white. The other high school in Hattiesburg was totally black. Mm. Uh, Southern Miss 
maybe had a sprinkling of African-American students, uh, no football players, no basketball players. Uh, uh, you look at it now, I mean, it, it's just so much different. Uh, we've had, we've had uh, African-American head coaches in major sports at, uh, at Southern Miss, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Uh, we've got an African American CEO at Southern Miss. Um, you know, there, there's just there's been there's been tremendous progress, and I think sometimes we might lose sight of how much there's been. It was interesting going back and just researching. You actually mentioned that you had the opportunity to give a commencement speech at Southern Miss, and you actually mentioned that in your speech, and that's been. I'm not sure you will know, but I'm not sure how many years ago that was, but it was important enough for you to mention in that speech. Well, it was, um, I'll tell you when, it, well, I, I can't tell you the exact year, but it was Aubrey Lucas's last uh, commencement exercise at, at, at Southern. I, I was a student, um, freshman at Southern when he became the president for the first time, and, and he asked me to come do the commencement at his last graduation and, and it and it really struck me that day that uh, it seemed like maybe one in every three graduate who came across that stage in, in their robe was, was African American and uh, um, you know we've got buildings named for 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 African Americans at Southern Miss now when we didn't even have they couldn't even go in some buildings when when I was growing up on that campus so it, it, there's there's been a lot of progress. Rick, as you um, and I and Jeff cover sports, that's that's what we do. Sports is led out in a, in a lot of different ways, and particularly in race and 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 being able to progress. How, how have you seen sports take a leadership role and really with what the NCAA, the SEC, and Conference USA is putting pressure on our state? Uh, I hate to say it. It's kind of sad that sports would lead uh, potentially to this change, but how have you seen sports lead in this direction before? Well, I mean, I've seen it long before this lead and show, and show us the way. Um, you know, again, back when the, when the schools were integrating in Mississippi, in small towns across the state, what might have been a violent or uh, dangerous situation, a lot of places was made a lot easier by uh, the athletes. I I'll just give you an example. In my hometown of Hattiesburg, that, that um, you know, we had we had the Short Brothers who integrated Hattiesburg High in 1971. And, um, you know, we, uh, a lot of the students had never had black friends, and now they had black heroes if they were on mm. age. Um, and you could see the white kids and the black kids together out there on the basketball court making each other better, making the school better, uh, uh, winning state championships, uh, the same thing was going on 30 miles away in Columbia with the Peyton brothers, Walter and, and Eddie, and, and, and in Columbia. Uh, 
Same thing went on in Yazoo City with Ben Williams. Uh, same thing went on at Pearl River Junior College with Willie Heidelberger and then at Southern Miss, too. Um, and it, it, in sports, I mean, you know, you couldn't help but see it. It happens right out there in front of you. I mean, it's, 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 it's naked. Um, you, you can't miss it. And, uh, and it's so obvious. And, and I think sports is led in that way. You know, Ricky, it's interesting you bring up those examples. Jeff and I sitting here in Picayune, and you don't go far into a sports conversation, or at least I don't, where people find you're from Picayune, that Carver High and the legacy of the long winning streak that Carver High enjoyed here right in our um, backyard. Marion Henry, right? Um, mm. when, when he the head coach? Yes. Uh, he, uh, you know, uh, you know, we went we, we went through stumbles. You know, like when when they uh, combined the schools there and and picking you, uh, Carver had, you know, I don't know how many games in a row they won, but probably fifty or sixty. And picking you was going one and nine, or mm-hmm. the White School one and nine, or over ten. And they asked they asked the coach at Carver to be the assistant coach to the coach at picking you. Mm-hmm. I mean, we. we Mm. We we had to struggle someplace, yeah. Uh, and a lot of times, especially in football, it was always the, the the coach at the white school became the head coach, and maybe at some of the schools they let a let a, a black guy coach the basketball team. But but we've gotten past that. That's not the way it is anymore. Yeah, I can think of Coach Peters over at Columbia, Coach Breland, and what he was able to accomplish out at Oak Grove. Some you know, some just heroes on the high school level when it comes to, to coaching and, and some of the titles and lives that they affected that, uh, as you said, some of those stumbles went away, thankfully. Well, yeah, and Harry Breland was one of the great stories in, in Mississippi high school sports. He was a he was a black baseball coach at an all-white or practically all-white school mm-hmm. and certainly an all-white baseball team and, and won state championship after state championship. And and was a was a you know a positive, a, a extremely positive influence on all his uh, players as well. Ray, when you look at what the NCAA, what the Conference USA and SEC, the the pressure or their response to this, um, how long would it take? I mean, you, you you've studied and and had access. If, if the flag was gonna change, how long would it take to change and this flag that's not actually flying on any of the uh, campuses of the university that would be directly affected. I know that you want the change. I think all three of us on the phone do, but is it fair to those three schools that aren't flying that flag on their campuses? I, you know, it's certainly not fair to the athletes. Uh, but sometimes you have, you know, sometimes mm. You just gotta, you gotta sacrifice something. Uh, I don't know, you know, I, how long would it take? I tell you how long it has to take. The legislature could do it tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, they can do they can they can do away with the, they could, uh, they could do away with, with our current flag, immediately. I'm not saying we would have a new flag immediately, but we don't have to. 
what what everybody's trying to do is get rid of the one that offends so many people. And and that can be done tomorrow. And, yeah, it, has I think, be, and it has to be done by Friday, apparently. Well, in, in your article, your latest article, um, you, you highlight some places, and I think it, you've even said, you know, what good is a flag if nobody wants to fly? And you've highlighted some places and some support that just aren't going to fly um, some cities across well, our state here. Uh, cities, uh, cities, counties, uh, uh, businesses, uh, down, down in your all's area, the, you know, Hancock Bank. Um, I, I don't know if you saw the story in Mississippi today, today about how the CEO of Hancock Bank says that it's, um, that the flag negatively affects business in Mississippi. It negatively affects their business. Uh, Joe Frank Sanderson of Sanderson Farms and the Sanderson Farms Championship Golf Tournament here, our big PGA Tour tournament, uh, he came out today and said we need to change the flag. The Mississippi Baptist Convention today mm-hmm. came out and said, and last week, the Delta Council, which, is, which has been one of the most conservative uh, organizations in, in the state of Mississippi for, for decades, came out this uh, last week in favor of, of getting rid of the flag. You know, I, it's getting to the point where I don't know who 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 does fly it yeah. except it flies at the state capitol. Um my wife just showed me her telephone where this pulled up the story where it says Walmart will no longer fly the flag, and no longer sell the flag. Wow. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, wh- who's left? Yeah. It's, it's, and you mentioned the contrast earlier, right? Just going back and uh, actually listening to, but it was an article written by Wright Thompson, uh, the ghost of Mississippi, and he describes that 1962 Ole Miss football season and and the the way that that game and the atmosphere that he describes and and the flag and the songs being sang it's just um, it's incredible um, the way that is him as as you are such a great writer can take you somewhere and make you feel certain things and just reviewing that over the last couple of days and and sitting in the state today is just amazing. Well, Wright, Wright's one of the great, great American writers, sports or otherwise, and he and he, he did he did do a tremendous job with that. Uh, I've seen films of that Kentucky Ole Miss game, mm-hmm. the first game uh, that was played during that time, and and the Confederate flag covered the whole football field, and and Barnett's. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I can't even talk about his speech without e. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it uh, makes me want to curse. Yeah, e, 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 e. And and in your article, the latest article, uh, you talk how sports not only leading the way but can model. Um, and I think Mississippi as a state is so misrepresentative by. What we see, you know, whether it be in a press box, and and you highlighted a a press peer of yours, Rod Walker, and and his NOLA.com article, but the press box and then what we see on the field in the locker room, a really great model of what a race relation should look like. 
Oh, absolutely. We've we've seen it. Uh, you know, we we people of my age have lived it. We you know we were there when it first started happening, and we watched it uh, watched it continue, and uh, and seeing the difference that it's made. Um, you know, can you imagine what the those great Ole Miss teams of the 50s and 60s would have been like if they'd have had some of those Jackson State players on the team, too? Mm-hmm. Can yeah. you imagine? Yeah. I mean, uh, it, would have, it would have been, uh, well, there's no doubt that, that there would have been some national championships mm-hmm. in, in Mississippi. Once again, we're joined. I by... mean, some of those, some of those, some of those Jackson State teams in the '60s, they would have their senior day, and the scouts would come in and want to look at 25 players. Wow! Yeah. I mean, it was just, just, just amazing. Uh, it was the one year in the, uh, I guess it was 1973 when two of the first five picks in the draft were Jackson State players. Wow. Yeah. Both of them in the Pro Football Hall of Fame now, too. Once again, we're joined by legendary sports writer and columnist for the Mississippi Today, Rick Cleveland, uh, on the Highland Community Hospital hotline. And, Rick, not only um, you, we've seen, like Clay had mentioned, the SEC talking about no championships, the Conference USA, the NCAA – uh, had mentioned that about Mississippi with the uh, Confederate flag being, you know, flown and the part. But what about e- economically? You you were talking about the businesses, the banks, and and you know, city of Gulfport, Biloxi, and all them has already taken it down uh, from their city halls. But if if something happens, the flag does not change. What can that do uh, on an economic level for the state? Businesses pulling out, people, you know, coming and going uh, as as a as an economic development. There's, well, there's no question. I mean, you, you, you saw what Joe Frank Sanderson said today. Uh, I, I can give you a, a much closer to home version of it because my wife was over the Department of International Marketing at the state of Mississippi for, for, uh, under six different governors. And she, her job was to, to market Mississippi products uh, overseas to sell Mississippi and 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 the flag was a factor throughout I mean it was always a factor uh, and it was also a factor in getting business to, to come and locate here uh, I mean there are many factors education is another huge factor we've got to do something we got to we got to do better um, Education-wise, but 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 certainly the, the 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 flag makes it a non-starter for so many businesses. Rick, and when you look at, I, I mentioned that Wright Thompson article earlier, and in the beginning, kind of how he sets the stage. He says in there, he has uh, two questions: What is the cost of knowing our path, and what is the cost of not? And you bring up education. There's so much that uh, is kind of left out. Um, Jeff and I are nearing our 40s. One's over that. I'll let you guess who that may be. <laughs> and, uh, uh, folks our age, you've, you've mentioned living through some stuff. And, and uh, But 
some of it's just totally missed through our education system. Yeah, we 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 haven't we we haven't done a very good job of teaching uh, what you know the well just the pitfalls of, of growing up a, a an African American person in, in Mississippi in the in the twentieth century. It was it, it was it was hard. Uh, it's still it's it's still hard. It's, it's, it's sometimes it's to me it's I make the sports analogy. It's like trying to beat out a bunt from the third base dugout. You you <laughs> you you've got so many things that are go against you to begin with. Uh, again, it's better than it used to be, but we've still got a long way to go. And I just think symbols wise and and. Uh, just as a as a message to uh, to our to our brothers and sisters, our African American brothers and sisters, that to, uh, just get rid of that oppressive symbol. Rick, we promise you we wouldn't keep you, and I'm gonna keep that promise. It's always a privilege for us to have you on, and. We're always smarter for having you on. So thank you for taking the time for us tonight. All right, bud.